us. Because I pay for it. and Because there are no cops. We don't do anything wrong. We have not deserved a cancellation yet. Um, yeah, I guess give me time. Give us both and, time, and truly. Enough coffee. Yeah, give me enough time and enough coffee, and I guess I could do it. But we are here. It's video game week, Amanda. So that means it's you and me for a cozy fireside chat. As it always is. As as is frequently. I've I've had some requests for some guests on video game week in the coming mm. months. So we will probably figure some stuff out. You know I'm down in for the that. Summer. One of our upcoming guests is a grad student. That is not my wife. And she... I mean, I would be cool if the general came on, too. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's inevitable eventually. But, like, right now she is also in grad school. But this other guest is currently a grad student and has requested that we wait until the summer so that she could, you know, breathe. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. That's cool. That's cool. Here we are, Amanda. Here we are. It is episode 260. It's video game week. It's been a busy news week. But not for us. No. Lots of grown-up stuff going down. Lots yes. of stuff that, I mean, virtual economy is hopping. There's some stuff happening. Of stuff. There's stuff happening. We have, we got a lot to talk about on VE this weekend, let me tell you. Yes. But for us, it's a relatively slow week. So what we're going to do is we're going to do some housekeeping. So before we do much, we're going to go around the horn. But we're also going to talk about the EFG Essentials because at our most recent content sprint, we updated them, and so we're going to talk about some of the changes to our EFG Essentials lists, etc. And if we have enough time at the end, we're going to talk about how excited Amanda and I are about E3 coming back. We'll take the temperature of the room virtually. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, you know. It's what we do. So, exactly. It is what we do. So, let's get started. Amanda. Yes. We're going to go around the horn. Let's do it. And I want to talk first about Oregon Trail. Do it. I'm excited to hear about this because you like yelled at me over text and said, oh my God, this game. So what is, oh my God, this game? Especially for yeah, those of us that uh, so did not grow up with it as like the you know, game you, to play. I, that's a real question. Have you ever played Oregon Trail like proper? Yeah, I have. It was okay. in my uh, it was in my computer lab at school when I was a when I was a kid. We were like in this oh, richy oh yeah we were in this like richy rich neighborhood. So we had like a very fancy school with like a computer lab when I was like eight. So okay. I played. I did play it. And so all right, so you're familiar with the basic track. I am. Yeah, dying of dysentery, okay, so, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, everyone who is games adjacent knows about dying of dysentery. So Oregon Trail is, you know, Oregon Trail is this game that has been remade and re-released almost as frequently as Tetris. That's awesome. Like, it's a game that is just, it's just ever-present. People, it's a, it's a property that just, for whatever reason... They put it out and it's fine. It's always fine, right? The first game wasn't great. Let's just be honest. It wasn't great. It was neat for its time. It was a cool education game. It was, game yes. In that, you know, it was really an early survival game. And it really made you, which is interesting to think about it that way. It didn't give you a real accurate picture of what life was like, but it forced you to think about yeah. it. Yeah. And just be aware of some of the challenges, etc., of people who went on the Oregon Trail, which... If you don't know what it is, Google it. We're not a history podcast. But 
the most recent ones before now were all mobile games and they were free to play mobile games that were full of normal free to play mobile game stuff. Okay. So they were uh they were they had one of them had like a farmville type like farming setup. Uh one of them was kind of you know, it was free, but it was like ad driven and it was just kind of messy and you were buying, you know, another one was kind of like Mafia Wars where you're like buying energy and oh, like, Mafia Wars, such a mess. And really what you need with Oregon Trail is to pick a group of people, get in a wagon with some oxen, spend some money on stuff to put in that wagon and then go. It's true. And that's it. That's it. And then face various challenges along the way. And the new one, which is on, which is an Apple Arcade game, that's the exciting part. Is free of all of those free to play trappings. Awesome! And it is worth the price of admission for Apple Arcade all on its own. Which is oh. that's the that is for me the true test of a game on Apple Arcade yeah. at this point. Like, would this game be worth subscribing to Apple Arcade for? If the answer is no, then you know no. But sure. like. There are a few games on there that are like, you know what? No, I would subscribe for a month just to play this game for a month. Yeah. And Oregon Trail definitely is for a couple of different reasons. First, it's a pretty reasonable adaptation of what the game was. Right. Right. You build a party, you get in, and, and you, they, they just walk. <laughs> and every day you face challenges and you are left to make decisions here there are more decisions to be made right like not quite conversation trees this isn't mass effect however there are more different options for things to happen mm -hmm. right and so it is that there's there's just more variety in the kinds of things that you can deal with mm -hmm. and um more variety in the consequences okay of the act of your actions okay. which i think is pretty cool mm -hmm. and so you uh it's also very pretty I you do know, love it. It doesn't pretty. look like it's not a black and green game or black and white, depending on what computer you were playing it on. Like it's pretty. There's neat animation. You know, I think it's it's fine, right? Um, but the other thing I like about it is they really took an effort to be very, you know, broad with their representation. And there's two ways they did that. Number one, all manner of gender presentations and skin colors, etc., are there just from the get. And there is no requirement that you have like a family unit go. So it's not like Ma and Pa and kids. Okay. You can just have like four strangers pick to live in a wagon. Okay. And we're finding out what it's like when they stop being polite and start being real. Okay. Like, I had to finish the bit. Um, you had, you sorry had for to. the real world it was, reference. It I had too to. too good. Um, and so that's cool. There are more different backgrounds. They can be missionaries. They can be, um, there's bankers, there's farmers, there's adventurers now, which again, they're just game stats, different classes, but more variety equals better, yes. right? They give you more stuff to do with the wagon. I really liked that the wagon is like a grid. And all the different pieces of supplies are different shapes. Mm -hmm. So you have to like kind of puzzle them all together. I like that. And as your wagon takes damage, it loses individual squares on that grid. And if you can't fit the big stuff, you have to drop it. And so it really makes you weigh what you're... And obviously food is very big. So 
it is so i thought that was really awesome the other piece and it says this right on the front page as you're loading into the game so it's like oregon trail and then it opens to like this beautiful night sky in the graphic style of the game and they indicate that there was more than one side to westward expansion because it was also a westward westward intrusion okay and so they worked with uh native american scholars and people like indigenous peoples to make sure that they and their stories were represented And now you may say to yourself, how did they do that? There's a couple of different ways. Some of them are the events that can happen on the road, which makes sense, right? You run into people, uh, you run into their their places of of dwelling, you run into them hunting, gathering, etc. The other, and so that's a piece of it. The other piece, and this is the other thing I really like about this game, is they actually have scenarios that you can play through that are of different so the first one is easy mode it's like the tutorial basically okay. it's like a, a nice walk and a so you're going from walk. one place to the next i think it's called what is it called let me bring it up it's not to be confused very, with a short hike which is a literal um, actual game which is a great game don't mind my music what is it called can you hear the music this is the music all the way which is great we're just vibing to the um, music now okay, that's what so, we're doing I'm totally going to get copyright claimed. Not for that. The first one is called Prologue. And then there's the Nature Trail, which is the very first one. So, and that is, you pick four people and you're going from one fort to the next. You don't even need to go all the way to Oregon. And it's very, it has set things that are going to happen. And then there are, you know, uh, I think it looks like 10 more. And some of them are harder. Uh, Like one of them takes place in winter. And so you have to go during winter. Another one is deals with a lot of rivers, etc. So, um, and some of them are, uh, you are indigenous peoples. That's really interesting. The winter migration, for example, you are straight up Native Americans. And so, um, and the the key is, I know they ha- you know, they could have just put these scenarios in. But the fact that they specifically right out front on their front page, I tried to get it to load myself so I could read the text. But the fact that they came out and said, listen, with respect to their struggles and their lives, um, we are we we spoke to them. We I'm hoping paid. They didn't say they paid them. but I'm presuming that they did. I would imagine they worked so. with these people to make sure that it was genuine. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's really cool. I think that is that stands in stark contrast to some other games that have been in the news this week. If you know, you know, if you want to know, I guess just Google it. But the or so hit us I up on Twitter is, or just for, or find me here. We'll, we'll we will point you. We'll let you know what's up if you would like. So, yeah, I think it's really cool. I actually went on my first nature trail. It was all it was four ladies. Oh. They were gals being pals. Oh, gal pals. In okay. the. Uh, uh, on the nature trail so it was very quick and it was great what what was great about it is that it didn't impact the gameplay in any like crazy way it's not like they were going on you know like a crazy like girl power adventure it was the oregon trail and it was four women out on an adventure and what's what i really like about it is your stats are hidden so you don't know who's a good shot until you give them a gun oh because there's the hunting mini game, you know the hunting oh, mini I do. game, the Oregon Trail. Yep, that's in there. Oh boy! Um, but the way they get around it, because I was like, that means they would have to put together like 
different sprites for all the different character models in the field and no no no. when you go hunting you put on a hunting hat and a hunting jacket and so everybody looks the same when you're hunting there you go i'll forgive that much because you know there's a lot of different characters and different sprites for them walking sideways it would have like quadrupled their work to have to give all of them a shooting animation although having the nun be the rifleman would be really funny to me i think that would be very Um, interesting I mean, it, we've seen that movie, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a movie about a nun with a gun. I mean, so, I played Sisters of Battle in Warhammer 40K. Those are nuns with yeah, guns. Yeah, that's close enough. So that's Oregon Trail on uh, Apple Arcade. I would encourage everyone that has an iPhone. Okay. Literally everyone, as you pick up your iPhone. <laughs> um, I would encourage everyone who has an iPhone I'm doing it right to now. grab this game and play for a little bit. Especially if you have any sort of nostalgia for um if you have any sort of nostalgia for yeah that's that's it getting it if you have any sort of nostalgia for oregon trail from the late 80s early 90s early 90s then this is a must play because i think this is just enough to remind you of what you did before it's just enough to remind you but it's also very cool uh, and and modern and has some other stuff. Amanda, have you played any video games that you can either talk about? I mean, I or... have one that is family you... friendly that is redacted, yeah. but I also have another oh. couple more that are not. I have been on a I've Great. been on a tear lately. So, which one would you like to hear about first? I could talk about Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town, or I could talk about I would Ember. To, mm, well, we're going to talk about both. So let's start with um, let's start with Story of Seasons because last video game podcast we did a whole thing about farming games, and you hadn't played this. Yet. I had not. This game so, has its hooks in me. Yeah, like like, like Animal Crossing in the early days. Yeah. Books? Like Animal Crossing in the early days hooks. And not because it's all about customization and like picking up items and all that stuff, but there is a fair amount of farming. So Story of Seasons, Mm -hmm. as we discussed last video game episode, is actually Harvest Moon. It is the real Harvest Moon team that went from Xseed, which is the publisher of Harvest Moon these days, to Marvelous, which now publishes Story of Seasons. Story of Seasons Pioneer of Pioneers of Olive Town takes all of the wonderful things that you know and love about Harvest Moon, including farming. There are friendships that you can build. I'm sure you can build into relationships, but I'm not that far in yet. I think I've played like five hours, maybe a little more. But the thing I really enjoy about this game is that I always feel like I'm making progression. So you start out go to Olive Town on your motorcycle. Your motorcycle breaks down on the way to Olive Town. You end up getting a lift there from like the mayor of the town. And the mayor knew your grandfather. So your grandfather apparently owned this farm. And the farm is now broken down. All it is is just like this little this little shack essentially in the woods. And you have to do a bunch of work in order to clean up the farm, you know, build out your crops and build out, you know, you find a chicken very early on. So you have to rebuild the dilapidated chicken coop and you find a cow okay. and you find a sheep and you got to like. Rebuild and the everything. cow is shaped like a basketball, right? Well, normally now the, the, the cow in no. Pioneers of Olive no. Town is redonkulous. It is yeah. utterly ridiculous. And I love, I love how cute and I love how cute and approachable this game is. Like, but it's also really deep. The systems are, 
like they require a lot of knowledge, I think, in playing farming games because it is far closer to a farming simulator than say Animal Crossing is. Animal Crossing is more of a social simulator. So you have to pay attention to the seasons because Story of Seasons and the original Harvest Moon were all about paying attention to the seasons and planting things in the right seasons and ensuring that you you make sure you harvest your crops before the end of the season is over and you don't, otherwise you lose them. And of course I forgot. Yep. And, you know, didn't end up harvesting my cucumbers in time before the summer, so I lost my cucumbers. Uh-oh. But I grew some glorious tomatoes in their stead. So I feel pretty okay about that. The only thing that I haven't really done, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to use makers. And so makers are these little kiosks that you set up in your farm area, and that's how you produce things. So you have a lumber maker, you have an ingot maker so that you can make iron, silver, platinum, gold ingots. And that's how you, that's how you start building things. And then you move on to other things. Like you can start making dyes. You can start distilling flowers into essence. You can start using um, ingredients for, for cooking. So let's say you went and planted a bunch of wheat or planted a bunch of rice. You put them into a maker and you can distill that down. You can actually like make soy sauce from rice. It's it's really interesting. And then you take all of those ingredients and then you go cook in your kitchen, which is super cool. Like I've made butter, I've made yogurt. And then you just, you combine everything together with the various crops that you harvest and the various crops that you, that you find around the various parts of your farm, because like there are so many parts of this farm that you unlock along the way. And then, you know, you cook and you're able to go mining longer because you have food in your belly. You know, you're able to stay out late and socialize longer because you have more food in your belly. Um, The town component to me is the least interesting portion of the game, mainly because I really enjoy like digs and builds. (laughs) That's kind of my thing. (laughs) And yeah, so it's Story of Seasons Pioneers of Olive Town is a really strong contender for a truly wonderful, wholesome farming simulator. I think it has real promise. And like I said, I've only played it for, I think like, I don't know, like I'd have to go grab my switch. I don't remember where I put it. It's somewhere in my office right now. Um, Okay. But yeah, I think I played it for like anywhere between five and 10 hours and game just has its hooks in me. It's just so fun. It's so fun to, you know, design and figure out where you want your crops and make sure they're watered and you know make sure you don't have too many trees around so you can't see anything you can't see any of your makers so anyway it's it's a truly lovely experience and it is exceptionally relaxing and i had a very i've had a very stressful week so i definitely needed to relax so i've been watching some streamers play that game and (laughs) it looks like it's exactly what i need you know what I mean? Like, I want a pretty chill game. Yeah. Um, what's happened is, and don't mind, my wife is mixing oh, all good. glass in the dining room. All good. So for those listening, no one is breaking anything. That is intentional noise to make a drink, and beverages are important. So stay hydrated. Um, she's writing a she's writing like exactly stay hydrated. Uh she's writing a rough draft of a 10-page paper mm. that she has to turn in tonight. Oh, she needs it. Much of it is done. She's done a great deal of the work. Of course, she has. She's She's brilliant. That 
that's why I made many much coffee because I'm going to stay awake with her. Only I'm going to be irresponsible and play video games. I'm really, um, I'm really I'm proud of you. Moral I'm proud of you. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I'm living. You know, I said on Twitter today that one of the most powerful things that we can do for another is just bear witness. That's part of that is just holding space and staying up and being like, baby, I love you so much. You can do it. <laughs> yep. um, and that's, what's going to happen a lot is that I'm going to be going to bed at the same time as her, even if it's later than I want to. Um, but so at the beginning of the pandemic, Animal Crossing came out, yeah. right? And so I liked Animal Crossing because it was like a nice, uh, you know, like a never ending to do list of chores. Yes. And then we heard the story, right? If I wanted chores, I was going to have dragons. And so I've, and so I play World of Warcraft. And what's interesting is World of Warcraft, um, while I still love it, and it is, you know, I, I have to be reasonable with myself and put it as my favorite video game of all time. Like, I can't, like, I've come to grips with that. It is, or at the, I mean, at the very least, I can say it is the most important video game in my life. Um, but... I, I, I've moved in the direction where I want something where the stakes are lower. Oh. Like right now I am in a constant struggle for either in the story, the fate of the literal world. Yes. Because we are in the afterlife trying to save literal reality from a maniacal villain who wants to unmake all of it. Jerk. That's or, a lot. Uh, or the treadmill of my own performance, because the reality is, at the end of the day, World of Warcraft is a sport. You know, when you're doing the same content over and over again, it's all about your performance. Yeah. Are you hitting the buttons right? Are you doing stuff? And while I enjoy that, it is challenging. So I keep wanting, so I keep thinking about wanting to go back. But then I'm like, you know what? Animal Crossing, as awesome and as important it is, I feel like I've missed that boat. And I also kind of want something else other yeah. than paying off a loan. Yeah. And so that's where Story of Seasons comes mm -hmm. in. My issue, and maybe you can answer this, sure. is every time I every time I have put Story of Seasons in my cart, I have remembered that I own Stardew Valley. Okay. And that I have never played more than a couple of I have played many hours, but I have never gotten past the first season because I keep restarting. You are not so going to have that Should problem. I just... You're not going to have that problem with Story of Seasons. Story of Seasons is not as focused on the relationships. So the stakes okay. are extremely low. And if you screw up and you misplace something or you place something in a place that you're just like, oh, shoot, I don't really like where that is. And, oh, man, now I have to, like, spend... X amount of bells in order to move something or it's just stuck there forever story of seasons is extremely forgiving it just kind of lets you do your own thing and it's like listen if you want to move this everything that's inside of it we're gonna drop it and then you're gonna have to figure out your own inventory management nothing about this game is punishing sometimes animal crossing can feel punishing because you're so limited in your inventory and you're limited in the amount of things that you can do per day because it is a game that is meant to be played you know, over a long period of time. Story of Seasons is something that you can sit down and you can power through a season in like five hours. And okay, maybe less than that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I have not, I have no sense of time right now. It, every, every moment blurs with the next moment. So Story of Seasons does remove the need to start over and over and over again, because there is no punishment in just picking things up and moving them. And relationships in okay. Story of Seasons start off very slow. 
like very slow where you're just like you're just talking in the cafes or you're just having a chat in the street you know it's not nearly as focused on the social aspect as say animal crossing is and it's definitely not as focused on it as stardew valley where if you screw up in stardew valley you screw up and you got to start over all right that helps i got that you. does help it does. Help. I got you. So that's story of seasons. It's on Switch right now. It is. Right? And it's just Switch exclusive. It is. I don't know if it's um, a Switch exclusive. It's probably going to find its way into other time. Let me double check. Story of Seasons, okay. Pioneers of Olive Town, which I like a lot better than Friends of Mineral Town. I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah, it's only on Switch right now. Um, but they often come to Steam. Yeah, I think that that'll probably find its way. Yeah. So you played. Story Seasons, um, I played Torchlight 3. Oh, tell me about Torchlight 3. I, I tried playing this as a I tried playing this as a couch co-op game, but apparently it has no couch co-op. So we ended up playing Children of Morda instead. So yeah, Torchlight 3 is first off, I'm playing it on Xbox Game Pass, which continues to be the best video game value or the best value in video games. Um, Torchlight 3, it's unabashedly Diablo. Like, this is a game where they're... De- the, the, when they started the design doc for this, like, when they were doing the whiteboard, because you know I love whiteboards. Oh, I do. I've met you. So I'm imagining them in a boardroom. You got the lead designers. You got some animators. You got some concept artists. Somebody, some poor intern is standing at the whiteboard trying to feverishly write stuff that they're throwing at them. And the first thing that they had to write down was Diablo, comma, accept that, dot, dot, dot. And it's literally, it's Diablo. And I mean that in the highest praise possible. Um, the big thing is that it is Diablo only that it is family friendly. Yes. Because it is rated T. It's rated T for teen. And I think that it is significantly like this this plays out younger than it than yeah. it sounds. Yeah, agreed. Um it's cartoony, it's goofy. You know, the monsters are all comically like, you know, they're you know how like there's goblins that are like scary goblins, but then there's like stupid goblins. Oh, yeah. And then like in the middle are World of Warcraft goblins. Like these are comically obnoxious go- goblins, and the skeletons are Jack Skellington go- skeletons. That's you know what fun. I mean? Like everything is just a little goofy. It's the same monsters that would be found in Diablo, right? You know, there's you know demons and skeletons and zombies and stuff, but they're all the goofy versions. That when they fall over, like the zombies, just kind of like, you know, and the so. You are, you're playing Diablo. I mean, I, 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 I keep being reductive that way. Um, it's Diablo, but it's family friendly. Originally, it was going to be released as like a freemium game where you were going to be like paying for characters. Somewhere through development, they decided they were just going to make it a premium experience. It was the correct decision. Yes. The whole game is unlocked. They have four classes that are available right good. now. Good, good, good. Um, and I adore it. I'm playing as a character who is like a melee guy, but what you do is you create a train that follows behind you and the train, uh, as you level up, the train like gets cars on it and the cars have different weapons. Interesting. And so you basically build like your own, it's like a pet, 
that only follows you. But you can push a button and park it. And so it will like just camp in a specific area. And like it has a main turret and you can give it a grenade launcher and you can give it a shotgun. But you could also give it a shield that has an active power where you can kind of like huddle underneath a dome. Eventually you can get it a flamethrower. And so it just kind of follows along. Meanwhile, you can fight with a giant two-handed hammer and, you know, do crowd control and all sorts of other cool stuff. Interesting. I absolutely love it. It is uh, one of the one thing that is different from Diablo <laughs> is that as you find legendary items, you kind of learn their powers and you can equip the legendary powers of weapons that you have leveled beyond, mm. right? Like if you have like a level one sword, that's really cool. Cause it's got a cool ice effect and you want to keep that forever. You can. And over time you, you can equip more legendary slots. That's a big deal. Like you get one at one le level one and another one at level 20, which is a lot of game space, mm -hmm. but uh, it's really cool when you can open up that second one and really start customizing it. Um, yeah, I, I think that if <laughs> this if we were to do like, you know how they have those books that are like, eat this, not that. Yes. Hey, hey, Cliff Shoe, welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. You know how they have those, the books that are like, hey, eat this, not that. Well, this is if, if you wanted to play Diablo, but you just don't feel comfortable having the having your kids play it because it's a little gory. Totally reasonable. You can have them play Torchlight. I think it's a perfectly reasonable alternative. It is fun. It is. It's got that same gameplay loop. Mm -hmm. Go out, get treasure. Um, you have a pet that you can load up with stuff and send the pet back to town. And that is stuff for that you. is one of my favorite parts of the Torchlight series. That's what I loved about Torchlight too. And this time the pets fight with you. Nice. Um, and they have their own legendary powers. So, like, you can equip different pets that all do different stuff. Like, there's some that give you speed buffs. Uh, I found one that summons a pair of skeletons mm -hmm. to help you fight. And so you basically get three dudes, which is great. We got uh, Cliff Shue in the chat saying Minecraft Dungeons is also a great alternative to Diablo. That is factually correct. That's facts. Um, when my son finally gets Minecraft his... Dungeons in a little bit. Yeah, when my son finally gets his computer, that's what we're going to be co-streaming. We're going to co-stream some... Uh... We're going to co-stream some Minecraft yeah, Dungeons. Dungeons. Dungeons is great. Um, Torchlight Torchlight doesn't have couch co-op. That's the one downside Yeah, it's it's um, You'd have to play online. Exactly. And that's the that's honestly one of the biggest turnoffs for me is that when I want to sit down and I want to play a game with the kids, I want to sit with them the vast majority of the time. you know, Or I want to sit with Mike and I want to play a game with Mike or yeah. with James or whatever. And I want that to be couch co-op. I don't necessarily want to have to sit on my computer and get on my headset and, you know, chat with them in another room of my house. Totally get that. So that is one of the limitations for Torchlight. However, uh, I am a huge fan. And again, it just reinforces that Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, especially, Magic. you know, if you have a PC. If you have a PC... It's great, but man, the fact that we have both and, you know, uh, it's just, it is proving its value every time I have a Saturday where I want to play something new because I don't have to spend money sure. anymore. It makes my wife very happy. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Because um, rather than going to Amazon on Friday night or going into the PlayStation store and buying something crazy, the true value will be, the true value of Xbox Game Pass will be when Captain Tsubasa comes to Xbox Game Pass at some point, if that ever happens, then I would be truly... You would be Microsoft fulfilled. So, you would be fulfilled. I would be fulfilled. 
really, I just need to wait until like golden week next year or something when they put it on sale for like $3. Cause I'm sure they will eventually. It's true. So that is Torchlight three. Yes. Amanda, what else have you been playing? Well, I've been playing a bunch of different games, but I want to talk about Ember. Sure. I watched you stream that game and I watched you yeet a per. You were trying to, you rescued a person. I did. And I watched you yeet them into a parking lot. I did by accident. Um, but they also hit the mattress. So it was okay. Like it was okay. It's okay. They hit the mattress or they hit the trampoline. It was either one. It was one of those. So, okay. So the conceit of Ember and, and just like full disclosure, like I got, I got a code from uh, Renaissance PR for this. So, Ember is about being a contracted gig working firefighter, essentially working for the Ember service, which is kind of like Uber, but for firefighters. So that's why it's called Ember. That's why it's called Ember. And that's why it's spelled the way it is. Yeah, it's great. I, I really, it's so cheeky. So I was playing as like this really old lady because I loved this avatar. It was my favorite. It was my favorite. I was like, I don't even care. I love her. She's perfect. It's like playing. And she's a no nonsense old lady. That's she's yeah. She's an, a no nonsense old lady. And she is my favorite. So anyway, I got her all dressed up and the conceit of the game is that you go out and you're a, a gig working firefighter. So sometimes you're going to do really well. You're going to rescue everyone. You're going to, you know, get some cash out of it. Maybe they'll give you a tip if you manage to save everyone, you know, or you'll get a tip if you take all the money that you found within the dwelling or the business or whatever, and you like put it in the rescue pile as opposed to putting it in the salvage pile, which is like stealing, but not stealing. And then a lot of the rest of the time, I can't, I can't even imagine what this game is like to play by yourself, but I played it with three other people. I played with Mike and with two other members of the the ready player mom community that I gave codes to, because it was just hysterical. It was so much fun. So you have to rescue these people. And sometimes they're up on the roof. Sometimes they're in a tree house. Sometimes they are in a completely yep. inaccessible portion of the dwelling or the business or the building or whatever. You got to use ladders and you have to use your, uh, your hose in order to, you know, put fires out. And then you have to deal with electricity sometimes as well. So you have to figure out how to not trip electricity. You have to figure out how to not get trapped in a fire. You have to try not to get caught in the backdraft when a door blows back onto you or something explodes in the midst of you trying to save people. Um, and it was, it was such a hilarious experience because it just becomes it just devolves into pure, unadulterated chaos. Complete yeah. chaos. So... I watched that. I know you did. I can confirm. I know. I know you did. In fact, if you want to see more about it, I can... Let me see if I can just grab... I'll grab the VOD from Friday because that's when I ended up playing it. And it was hysterical. It was very, very, very funny. So I'll drop that in chat for you all if you really want to go see what Ember is all about. And so after you're done putting out fires, you earn money, you upgrade your equipment, you buy new equipment, um, and you buy new clothing and stuff so that you're, you know, you're either really good at carrying people or you can heal other firefighters or you can resist fire damage or electricity damage. And it's just like there are so many, there are endless possibilities almost in building 
out the kind of character that you want in order to save people and save property, I guess. So, yep. Yeah. Ember is a laugh riot. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I want a code as part of the uh, Ready Player Mom, Mom stream because I was there. Yep. And uh, I am very much looking forward to getting my hands on this one and playing it because it sounds incredibly dumb. Uh, yes, it's extremely in all the right silly. Ways. It's extremely silly in the best possible ways. That, I think, is going to have to be a streamable game for the two of us. When we sit down and we crack a beer and we play Ember until we... I'll have coffee. Okay, well, we're not doing it tonight. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not streaming oh, all, right. all week um, because my desk fell apart, but... You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's been a it's been a voyage. The thing that I appreciated about it while I was watching is it felt like a third person. It felt like kind of not third person, like a first person overcooked. Yes, it was that. But chaotic. you're trying to put out fires. as So you're like trying to uh, the puzzle is not how uh, how like how efficient you can be. It's really more about like exploration, finding like the little secrets and the, like the the hidden people, and then getting out. Yeah. Whereas you know, um, so that was the like the communication bit, like the place where you step on each other and there's chaos, is that you're trying to run through all this stuff. Whereas in you know like Overcooked, you know you're trying to produce a product as many times as possible and get it out. So like I really appreciated that the chaos was that. You know, you didn't necessarily need to depend on each other, but it was still wild anyway. I loved watching your stream. You guys definitely, I mean, it was fun watching you guys like mess around with each other. And obviously you were there with your partner, Mike, friend of the show, who was being his normal self. A total chaos um, man. Yes, that one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's an agent of chaos because at the end of the day, why not? And man, I, uh, so I definitely appreciated that. We will, um, we will have to co-stream that. Um, I do need to get like an extra couple hours of streaming a month. So we will find time to do well, that. So I I need stream to... something other than World of Warcraft and podcast. Yeah. So I got to open it up. Yeah, a I mean, like you, you, you know, there's there's definitely a world of possibilities in there. And goodness knows taking like two weeks off streaming in two months hasn't been great for my numbers either. But what are you going to do? I can't stream we'll on a plastic table. I don't have I mean, any of my stuff. I know. You listen. I'm. We'll, we'll just have to figure it out. We'll just have to figure it out. That's around the horn. We did. It is. Four games. Two people. How about this? We're getting to the point where video games are actually going to start coming out. Maybe. <laughs> We've been pushing through our back catalogs. No, the video games will come out eventually. 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 So, um... I think it's time, Amanda. What's it time for? Well, I mean, it's I mean, it's my favorite time. And that means it is time for a word fill-in puzzle. So everybody that's watching in the chat, we uh, we do this thing here on Engage Family Gaming, specifically during the Engage Family Gaming podcast, where we can't say what they are because of lawyers. However, uh, you'll know exactly what we're doing as soon as we get into it. We're going to do a word fill-in puzzle. Yeah, we are. Let me... And I... Pick my co-host's brain, but I also involve the chat. So I'm going to give you guys some categories, and I'm going to ask for you guys to shout some words out. Um, Mega Mom knows what's up. Oh, Mega Mom, she she makes she makes sure she's here specifically for it. Um, Mega Mom, I would like 
a part of the body. And I would also like the chat to give me a verb ending in ing. Oh, goodness. Uh oh. All right. So, believe it or not, we have multiple parts of the body. All right. We'll hold on to that. It's in here multiple times, so we'll go with it. But I would also like a verb ending in ing. So, uh, Amanda. Yes, dear. I would like a plural noun. A plural noun. Let us say eggs. Sure. And uh, I would like, so we did get a ing verb. We'll roll with that. We got running from friend of the show, part of the EFG E3 expansion team. I love that he's part of the expansion team. Should get us t-shirts. That's what we call it. We call it the we call it the E3 expansion team. And go figure, we have E3 this year, so we have a reason to expand. We do. Oh man, we're going to talk about that later. We'll get there. Um, so next, yeah. I would like um, I would like a pair of nouns. A pair of nouns, as in like they go together. I would like two different two nouns. different nouns. Okay, so let's say necklace, and what else for the other noun? Um, battery. Sure. And then I would like a plural noun. Pumpkins. Okay. And the part of the body that was chosen was, uh, the first one in the chat was appendix. Yes. All right. And I would like a uh, another noun. Okay. How about kobolds? Kobolds. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, chat, I would like another body part, which we have. We have nose. We have nose. And I would like another verb ending in ing. Do it. Come on, chat. Don't let us down. Um, but Amanda, yeah. I would like you to give me a verb ending in ing. Uh, patching. Patching? Are they doing QA? <laughs> Um, and then I would like, um, I would like, Amanda, I would like from you a part of the body. Uh, how about hand? Hand. I like it. Um, and an adverb. Wistfully. Okay. And I would like a noun. Uh, and the chat, I would like a part of the body plural picture and then one last now hmm mirror I like it and then we got ribs from the audience but are they spare Thank ribs you, everyone all right so now we have the, all of the answers filled so now I do my very best voice acting. Uh, audition. I'm very excited. Yeah. <laughs> EFG expansion team member John Robel, um, he needs all of his ribs. He has no spares. That's largely because he gets hurt a lot, so he really can't spare body parts. That's fair. Uh, this is his first year without a major surgery in a while, and that's really because he couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, so... Um, go figure when we start LARPing again, he'll put himself on the, he'll, he'll end up getting himself on IR eventually. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because he's a crazy person. Anyway, here we go. Um, the subject for this one is afraid of the dark. 
I was home alone and scared out of my eggs. I could hear the wind running, and off in the distance, a necklace was howling. I crossed the room, locked the battery, and climbed into bed, pulling the pumpkins over my appendix. (laughs) And then it happened. I could hear a kobold patching up the stairs. My nose started to chatter, and my knees began wishing. The picture was thrust open, and there was a huge mirror with hair all over its hands. It was my father. Hi, we're home, he said wistfully. Hope you aren't afraid of staying home alone. No, I said, lying through my ribs. (laughs) There we go. That was really good. And in fact, um, John, EFG, uh, expansion team member, saying, are you afraid of the dark, Steve? Yes, in fact, I am. I don't like I am, the dark uh, either. It is, um, it is a well-known fact. This is gonna. T- this is this is my fun fact about being afraid of the dark. Is within my own home, I will quake with fear when I am alone in the dark. However, if I am in the woods, surrounded by animals that absolutely would eat me, as long as I have buffer weapons, I feel perfectly safe. I'm not even kidding you. Like I could walk around alone in the dark mm-hmm. with my with a my literal nightmare for heart, me. With my unless it's bears. We'll tell you that story when you come visit this summer. And I will but, because um, we are gonna be fully vaccinated by the summer. We're gonna be vaccinated. But with the exception of that one time with the bears, I can legit walk around at night all by myself with my corrugated plastic shield um and mace, and I am perfectly I can do it, but then I get home where I am absolutely safe because I'm surrounded by walls and locked doors and forget about it. Well, it's the, it is the dumbest thing, but it's not the dumbest thing about me. Trust me. There's some other wild stuff. You'll hear all about it in July when you come visit. So we went around the horn. We did uh, the word fill in puzzle. Thank you chat for helping us. Now let's do our topic. Let's do it. So engage family gaming and i'm kind of glad john's here because he actually helped me uh we uh, have a series of articles on engagefamilygaming.com that are called the efg essential they're so good and so what they are is they are a list of 25 video games and currently we have them for switch we have them for ps4 and we have them for xbox um we're going to be probably by the end of this year, we're going to figure out what to do with the fact that there's a PlayStation five and a new Xbox. They're um, also, most of these games are playable on both. Yeah. Systems. There aren't so, going to be any console exclusives planned. As far as I know, minus like bug snacks, which you can still get on the Epic game store. Like you can pretty much play it wherever. Exactly. So we're, so we didn't, so we, we looked at, that was the first thing. Um, the first question we anticipated when we were making the updates to the lists is we tried to figure out how we would handle the next gen consoles. And what we decided is at least right now, we don't have any games that are exclusive to one of those two consoles Mm -hmm. that we thought was essential. Right. So that saves us because, you know, if all the games that come out that are exclusive to PS5 or Xbox Series X 
are crap, then we're great. <laughs> we don't have to do any paperwork. Um, but we'll probably revisit that probably by the end of the year. If for nothing else, just you know maybe have two lists or put an addendum on these. So the first thing is we made no updates to add next-gen consoles to the list. Okay. Um, the biggest change we made was actually to the uh, Nintendo Switch list. So many good Switch which games. Which was... Uh, um, and, and a lot of that just really comes down to that Switch games actually came out last year. <laughs> and so the biggest change that we made was on the Switch list, and that was um, we removed uh, new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe and replaced it with Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. Mm -hmm. And that was Jeff Walker. Uh, that was actually, we were going to leave it alone. And then Jeff Walker came in on the last day and actually suggested that change. And the reason he made that change, um, and this was, I don't want to say it was an impassioned plea. I think that was, it, it's not, it was not that serious. Mm -hmm. But the reason he made that suggestion and that I didn't want to argue it is that he really felt that if we were only going to have one Wii U port from the switch on from the wii u onto the switch he thought that super mario 3d world was just on the whole a better game than um super mario brothers u deluxe fair enough and he also thought that the addition of bowser's fury as being like a whole new game mode just kind of added that little bit of extra and so if we were only going to have one of those two he thought the super mario 3d world was the correct call sure um, he also likes the multiplayer in the 3D world better than on Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. Um, so uh, he presented that, and John and I were sitting at the at their dining room table talking about this at opposite ends, mind you. But we were talking about this, and we couldn't argue with it, right? And so, um, and I thought that it made a lot of sense. So as a result, that was the big change we made on the Nintendo list. We, um, other than that, the games remained the same. We had our own decision as far as what games were on the bubble and all of the other games stayed on the list. Um, and some of that is also that some of the games that came out this year were, you know, we re I really like um, Bravely Default 2. However, you know, as far as like, if we're going to have one big role-playing game, then I think Dragon Age, Dragon Quest, <laughs> Dragon Age, not Dragon Age, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven is just a better game. Yeah. Dragon Quest Eleven is just, so, so that's how we're going to be updating these lists. And then on the PlayStation Xbox side, uh, the only change we made, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, John, is we updated the sports titles. And the, the big kind of interesting sports thing is we still have WWE 19 on there um, because uh, WWE, because we want to recommend a wrestling game. And we simply cannot recommend the 2020 edition. And we can't recommend the 2020 edition because it was a hot mess. It was a disaster. And it really hasn't been fixed to satisfaction. No. Um, and they skipped a year. Mm-hmm. And so we left 19 on there because, you know, Jeff has played it extensively. Sure. He really loved it. Um, and so we did just find out because last weekend was WrestleMania. We did find out we got confirmation that WWE is coming back with WWE 22 um, the t with the tagline. It hits different, <laughs> which super clever. And I appreciate it. Also, it looks like the cover guy is going to be Rey Mysterio, who is my favorite of all time. So. I was kind of okay with that. So that was, that was it. It's really fast. And part of that was because it was 2020. 
um, and early 2021. I suspect um, next year at this time, uh, when we start up making these updates, there will be a whole bunch of other games because we'll have other Horizon and you know whoever who also knows what Nintendo is going to do the rest of this year. So they are they always just do their own thing. They do they thing. Um, so I'm going to post the links in the chat, everybody. Do so it. if you want to give it a look, if you decide to buy any of these games, uh, all of these Amazon links are affiliate links. So we do actually get a little bit of a cut if you were to buy and use the Amazon links in those articles. So full disclosure, we are Amazon affiliates as are many, many blogs like ours. So, so that's the update to the EFG essentials pretty quick. Next board game episode. There were some changes on the board game side, specifically the thing we run into with board games that we didn't expect is that some board games go out of print. And so that was a thing that uh, Linda went uh, bumped into this past time. So we're going to, there were some changes and we'll talk about that in the next board game episode, <coughs> what her philosophy was as far as how she did it. Cause she is the managing editor of board games. We keep giving her promotions. Um, but she will always be the mistress of magnificence. Of course she's the mistress of magnificence, but that's not a title. That's more of like an honorific, right? Like, it's I guess. Just like, you know, so, um, I guess the next thing, let's talk about E3 for a few minutes before we call it. Sounds good. So we got confirmation last week. E3 is back. Yeah. This year, it's going to be an all digital event. Mm -hmm. Next year, they're going to be back in person at the LA Convention Center. So this year, it's from June 12th to June 15th, which is a Saturday to a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. They're going to be doing primarily like it's it's obviously going to be a fully digital event on their Twitch stream. And it's um, free. I can say I will be, yeah, and it's going to be free. Man, there was like a couple of days where people were concerned that it was going to be behind a paywall. I mean, um, this is the ESA that we're talking about here, and they have tried to monetize E3 in ways that have been not so not so great in the past. But we, it, I don't know how it got out that they were going to. I think people were just assuming. Maybe there was a survey. I'm not sure. But the good news is the first thing they did was they said it was going to be a free event. Very smart of them. Go figure. They finally got something right on social media. Sony is out and EA is out because they've never, because they don't do that thing anymore. But Microsoft and Nintendo are they in. Are. As, as well are a whole bunch of other smaller companies. You know, Sega's going to be there, and, which I'm actually really excited to see what Sega does. Might be some cool new Atlas stuff it. as well. Yeah. Well, Sega's just been quietly just slaying. Because everybody thinks about Sega. We had this discussion on the EFG show the other day. Is that, like, we, we give Sega a lot of crap. I do, because, like, I don't like Sonic the Hedgehog. But, like, Sonic the Hedgehog is, like, such a tiny part of what Sega does now. It is. That they do so much. And I'm very excited to see what they say. Amanda. Yes. I know... You are not a fan of the ESA, and I appreciate and empathize with that. Considering they but doxed me from, a couple years ago, yeah, I'm not super. I'm they're they're definitely not high up in my love list. I uh, I am I I empathize and agree with. You. But are, how are you feeling about the show itself? Like, are you excited to see what happens now that we're back together? Do you what? I think that the ESA has not proven that they know how to competently run a physical event, let alone a digital one. So I think that at this point, and you know what, I, I'm not going to go too, too much into it here because I have a lot of salty business opinions. If you would really like my salty business opinions, I really go into it on virtual economy. And that was either, I think it was, that was last Saturday. I think it was last Saturday. We talked about it and I got very salty about it because I have no love for the ESA. I love the ESRB. 
I love what the ESRB does. I've written for the ESRB. I love that. And I think that that is one of the most necessary things in like that we have that came out of the Entertainment Software Association. But in terms of what E3 is going to be versus what it's not going to be, I have no, I have no expectations other than it's going to be a mess. And I know that the content will be great because Nintendo knows how to put on a show. Microsoft knows how to put on a show. And it'll be really great to see what some of their other partners are going to be bringing to the table as well. I'm a little concerned that we didn't see anything from indie publishers. Obviously, we're not going to see anything from Devolver anyway, because Devolver and E3, Devolver and the ESA have a longstanding rivalry. And Devolver usually sets up, if you've never been to E3 and you've never, you know, and that's totally fine, but Devolver Digital, which is a powerhouse uh, publisher for very strange indie games. Yeah. They're just a small game like Fall Guys was one of their most recent successes. Just a little thing, tiny thing, really. And they they usually set up shop in a parking lot across the street from the Los Angeles Convention Center. And they have the best food and they serve beer and they always take care of the press and uh, and content creators. So uh, obviously Devolver is probably not going to be involved. But also this is probably not this is still going to be you know, Jeff Grubb's summer game mess. It's still going to be a mess this summer. It's going to continue to be a mess until we have physical events again. And that's not necessarily because, you know, the publishers or the platform holders are doing anything wrong. It's just that why would they trust the ESA? What, like, why? They're honestly, Microsoft and Nintendo are throwing the ESA a bone here and they don't have to. They proved they could put on their own, sh- well, Nintendo not so much, but Nintendo was also very quiet last year as they were getting used to working remotely and working under quarantine, which is just not a Japanese thing to do as it turns out. We you know, we ended up talking with a Japanese game developer that actually like talked extensively about that um, over on Virtual Economy last May, I think. So I'm excited for the content as I always am because I love I love covering E3 because I love going to Los Angeles and seeing my friends and, you know, checking out what's new and interesting and checking out IndieCade and, and, uh, and stuff like that. But will I ever trust the ESA with my information again? Probably not. My information ended up on some of the worst parts of the internet, including, you know, like 4chan. So, and I think potentially 8chan now that I think of it, I, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, the good news is we don't need to... Hey, we got a raid from uh, Bluish Savage. Oh my goodness. Thank you for the raid. With Welcome a, uh, in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the uh engaged family gaming podcast hey welcome aboard we're uh we are rapping about e3 being back because um and i agree oh thanks for the uh uh the the praise chat what's the praise emote oh the rocket is actually for raids oh okay all right hello there thank you for uh, hopping in so i agree with you i mean we're in we're kind of in a situation right where like that we don't have to worry about the, you know, giving them information. We can just watch it on their Twitch channel. That's um, I can say with certainty, and I talked about it on the EFG show last week. Um, I am every part of that E3 thing over those several days that I can co-stream and do my reactions to, uh, I am going to. Why not? So I will be here 
at uh, twitch.tv slash engagedfamilygaming talking about all of the, you know, really, I'm going to be talking about everything because, you know, we'll be doing it live. So who knows what kind of grown up stuff will be there. But we'll be highlighting the cool family friendly video games that pop out because, I mean, you got to figure with Nintendo, we know Microsoft owns Minecraft um, and we're getting ready for the next big patch from Minecraft, too. So the cave update. So yeah. I expect the cave update is going to be amazing. Make... I'm so excited about the supposed cave to come out in the summer. Update. So, oh, one point. Oh, we even got, uh, thank you, Eric Gecko. 1.18 is the name of it. Yeah, my oldest son has been keeping track of the snapshots every week and giving me, it's almost like a countdown. So we know that update is coming. So um, maybe Microsoft will talk about that. And obviously that's relevant for us. So it will be, um, so I'm going to be here for as long, for as long as I am allowed by the, by E3 to co-stream it. Um, I, I'm excited for the content. And that's the, really why I'm there. Yeah. I have no allegiance to any one organization. No. In this um, house, I we don't stand to... corporations. Yeah, I don't. Because they're, they're not. They're not people. our friends. Um, I, Y'all can count on us being here. And then the plan is that we're going to have a mini content sprint the weekend after where we're going to, you know, kind of round up some of the information. So if you see, because they, they talked about there being like these big long streams on Twitch um, some of them are going to be on work days. If you can't give up your whole weekend for E3 stuff, like, you know, normal human beings, don't worry, we got you covered because you're going to be able to find us on the blog. We're going to have podcasts, YouTube videos, yeah. the whole nine. Yeah. I've even uh, recruited a man behind the curtain to help edit some audio for me. That'll be um, real good. To make sure everything hits our audio streams, mm-hmm. you know, in a timely fashion. Um I just, I'm glad to see it back. And I'm, what I'm, what I want is for it to be back in person. Not so I can go because I'm not going to, no. but it being back also, it feels like a harbinger for all these other things that are important to us, like Gen Con, and PAX, and PAX East, and PAX West, yeah. and, and PAX GDC, which, for me. Uh, and PAX Unplugged, which is a big deal. And so for me, like E3's physical presence, which is going to return in 2022, for me, the fact that they like put their flag in the ground and said that really tells to me like, okay, like maybe we'll have real conventions because PAX East is our home turf. It is. Like that's where we do the most of our work. Yeah. And um, and I am like PAX West looking used forward to, be, to that. PAX West used to be my home turf because I used to live in Vancouver and, you know, Seattle, it's only yeah. like two and a half hours I have away. been told that I must go to PAX you, West. You absolutely So that must. some of our mutual friends could introduce me to people that yes. I need to know. There are many, honestly, the, the networking that you get at PAX West is unparalleled. It really is yeah. because the Boston development scene is super cool and they have amazing developers there, but it, it just doesn't rival the Seattle development scene. It just doesn't. Yeah. So everybody, thank you for coming. This has been a lot of fun. It has been. Amanda, we did it. We did. This has been episode one, or not 100. I can't mm-hmm. say 100 because I'm not selling myself mm-hmm. short. This has been episode 260 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. It was video game week. It was. I'll be back next week with Linda to talk about board games. Specifically, I will be talking about... Uh, we'll be talking about the board game essentials list that we kind of left off today. And also... I'm talking about this little game. You might have heard of it called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Really? Yes. It's right over there. It took me like an hour to punch. I I can only imagine the real game took like a decade. But also we're going to be talking about a little game called Monstrosity. Oh. Monts with like draw in the middle city. 
Um, so we're going to be, that was a nice little pun. I like it. Uh, so we got some board games to talk about among Wonderful. other shenanigans because it's, you know, that's what we do in board game week. So everybody who is here, all of our raiders, all of our regulars, thank you very much for joining us. Hope you have a great week. We will see you next time. Specifically, I see you on Thursday for the EFG show. But until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see y'all soon. Bye. Bye.